Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and Class of Concession. I'm Pure Scott. Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I am joined by Jordan Delagrange. How are you doing today, Jordan? Good afternoon, my friend. I'm doing outstanding, and it's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, Jordan is joining us with uh, just a, a fantastic background of all sorts of things, and I want to I want to kind of jump into uh, several different areas. You've got um, you used to be a stunt man, right? Is is that yes. correct? Did I read that there? That's that's pretty damn cool. That's actually the one thing when I was a kid that I probably remember from like third grade. We had a guy come in. It was a stunt man, and he taught us all how to like fake punch each other in the face. And I think the teacher was just mortified because we all were punching each other and messing it up. I loved the stunt man role. So how how did you uh, how did you become a stunt man? It's funny because it was extremely random, just like all good things in life. You know, uh, I do a martial art called Wing Chun. Uh, have you ever heard of Wing Chun? No, and I'm sure that there's a dad joke that's hanging out here, Wang Chung or something like that yeah. for this. Yeah. <laughs> something um, like Wing that. Chun, no, I haven't. What, uh, what form of martial art is that? So Wing Chun is a Chinese form of martial arts. And uh, fun fact is it is actually Bruce Lee's first martial art, if you don't count uh, Tai Chi Chuan, which we can talk more about that in the future uh, as this goes on. But uh, long story short, it was a martial art created during the Cultural Revolution of China by a Shaolin monk, a female Shaolin monk named Moi. Um, and how I came about going to a stuntman to answer your question was, I was doing a seminar with Grandmaster Samuel Kwok up in Long Beach, California. And he had, invent, he had um, invited his close friend, Dave Lee. Now, Dave Lee is a Hollywood stuntman uh, who's really, really big back in like the 80s and, and 90s. And he's been in uh, so many movies. He's worked with Will Smith, Tom Cruise. The guy's just amazing. And he showed up. He started demonstrating some of his techniques. Like we even had us like putting our hand into his chest at some point when he was against the wall. And it, he would like bounce you across the room with just his abdomen muscles, which was insane. People don't believe that too. That's that's those <laughs> things that people look at because there are those dodos out there that try to reenact some things that they they're clearly not doing what you're describing. That's a that's a force within a within somebody that people just can't fathom. Am I right? Yeah, it, it's the chi, you know. Then chi has this mythical like fakeness that everyone hears to you like ah, oh, uh, you should put that guy in the UFC and see how he does. You know, that's what I see. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a classic answer. Yeah, it's like you see it all over social media. It's like oh man, that's definitely fake. It would never work in a real situation. But everyone who says that it looks like they've never fought anyone in their life. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's definitely the guys that are also complaining about the running backs and how they could do better as well. Right. <laughs> but this guy is legit, right? He's not only has he been in film, but his philosophy is from real to real, you know, making the real stuff work in the movies. And he's been doing it his whole life. He's traveled across the world. He's been to Malaysia, to China, to the Philippines, just learning all of these arts. And then he comes and walks up to me and says, hey, you have a really good look. Here's my car. Let's meet sometime and, and go train. And for the past three years after that, I've just been training with the guy in the park up in Hollywood. Like we literally, I drive up to Hollywood down from San, like up from San Diego. It's like three hour drive for me and I, I'll go every week and we don't even go anywhere special. We just meet up in the park and do martial arts. Because there's no need to go anywhere else when you're doing martial arts, right? <laughs> yeah, all you really need is you, you know? That's, it, it, that's the whole premise behind it. You're, you're, a, you're, you're, you're your own defense mechanism. It, it doesn't bring in extra parts. Exactly, it's all human movement. Right. So you don't need to extend yourself. I mean, if unless you're training with bladed weapons or, or something like that, which, you know, there's no real need for that anymore other than the art and, and the dance behind it. You know, I, I can I can respect that um, of the uh, martial arts that are out there. What uh, what martial arts are you do you practice and uh, which ones do you 
What's your favorite? That's a long-winded answer for me, but because there's so many, right? And if you ever hear Don, Danny Nosanto, Guru Dan, talking about Bruce Lee, he says that the best part about Bruce Lee and why he was such an influential martial artist is because he was always researching, not just one martial art. Like, he was primarily a Chinese martial artist, right? Mm -hmm. But he was into judo, karate, you know, he was into um, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, he research sambo uh eskrima like anything that somebody knew in that field that knew martial arts and he met them he was like i want you to teach me this because i love I that he was a sponge man. yeah my my uh my father was a uh, a huge bruce lee fan when i was a kid um i was born in the 70s so 76 so my dad was i my dad lived in thailand for a long time i lived in japan for a long time um and I remember he did learn martial arts while he was there. And uh, I'm not sure why or where he picked up uh, nunchaku, the nunchucks, right? And I saw that you love, you, you're always using those. I see some on Instagram. You you work really, you're really good. And I remember my dad, when I was younger, <laughs> he would, um, he had this set of nunchucks. They were very, they were just, just wood, nothing fancy, small nylon cord, and that was it. But I remember when I was a kid opening up the the bedroom door or like his office door and he was standing there by himself in his tidy whities and he was just practicing with his nunchucks alone. And I remember looking at him and he didn't even stop. He just kept going around his body and he was like, get out. And then he just kept going. And I remember thinking I was never going to mess with my dad after that. It was the coolest yeah. thing. It's like, yeah, probably if, if my dad's going to do this, yeah, let's not, let's not piss him off, right? Exactly, exactly. But, you know, it was, it was just cool to see. So it, what I hear is you're, you're a student of, uh, of all the arts or any art that you can get in front of you because there's something to be learned. Exactly. To me, it's like I follow Bruce Lee's style, but I don't crystallize myself into Jeet Kune Do, you know? That's exactly what he didn't want because his whole philosophy, and I don't know if you knew this, but did you know that he majored in philosophy and actually went to school for that before he was famous? Uh, no, I did not. That's, uh, that's a great piece of information. And I can see, honestly, philosophy ties into martial arts more than anything you could possibly have together. Uh, so I can see how that would just help him grow as a martial artist to understand philosophy that well. Yeah, as I've looked into his life story, I, I don't know if you've heard of the book, uh, Bruce Lee, A Life Unabridged. I, I have heard of it. I haven't read it, but I have heard of it. It's a great book. And reading that book gave me a lot of inspiration at dark times of my life as well. But uh, it, it talks about that in there as his upcoming, his upbringing was so strange for him. Like he was estranged with his father, who was an opium addict, uh, although he was very famous in Hong Kong for his, uh, his Chinese theater and opera, right? But he was getting in the gang fights and just fighting and had no real deep inner thought until a certain point. And after he breached that philosophical side, that's when his martial art and his life alongside of it transformed and blossomed into how we remember him today. Right. And learning that story, reading that book, listening to it on audiobook, it all brought in this clarity for me mm -hmm. when it comes to martial arts, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. I think that it comes with um, some people like yourself will be drawn to the art form and, you know, the philosophies and the way of life and those types of things. And I think that other people find their way to a similar path um, through their through their life experiences. I think the fact that um, he had such an open approach to his philosophy and looking at so many different art forms, it shows that um, that he he was open-minded. It shows that you're open-minded as well. And uh, realize, because I've always said that um, you can learn something from everybody, whether it's good or bad. Um, it, it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be just good things. You can learn how, you know, what not to do or what not to emulate from somebody as well. Exactly. You see their mistakes and you see that, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone has that side that they have to put into control. You know, uh, not to get too philosophical, but it's uh, the balance between instinct and logic and control. Your emotional animal and your logical animal. You know, and this is said a lot in psychology. When you control your logic and your emotion and bring that into the center, into the middle ground, that's the wise mind, you know? That, that makes perfect sense. Um, 
all the religions talk about this in the mind and how it how it interacts with the soul, so to speak. And 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 those are essentially what you're describing. There's 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 you know the material body, and then there's that existential piece of reality and soul and things like that that keep it in check. We got a primal mind. You're right. We that's where it starts. That's our animal. That's where we run around. That's where the amygdala really got its swollen self from fear running away from things. And now we've got social media giving us the same shit as a saber tooth tiger. They ain't working out too well. Um, a lot of people on their mental knees right now. Have you, have you seen that? Uh, cause you have martial arts and wellness is your Instagram handle. Um, and, and you're, you, uh, what do you do right now with that, uh, with that business and that site? So there's the main thing that I'm doing to support myself right now. I'm, I'm a college student, um, a student of uh, a doctor student of acupuncture and Chinese medicine over at Pacific College of Health and Science. I'll have my PhD in two years, uh, but to to uh, support myself, I've opened up a business and I've named that business Sanctuary of Art and Healing. So my whole idea behind it is that there are these elements of human health that aren't being met through our healthcare system in America, right? So you've got your structural aspect. This is like your bones, your alignment. That's chiropractic, right? Mm -hmm. You've got your uh, musculoskeletal element. That's massage therapy, your tendons and your tissues, right? And your fluids and circulation. And then you've got your bioelectrical outlet, which no one really understands. And when we talk about acupuncture and chi, people are just like, uh, is that witchcraft? Like, yeah, God, God bless uh, the educational system in the West. They really uh, squash that nice and good. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> no mindfulness um, Zero. in our system. We, I'm not going to get into like the whole capitalistic thing, but, you know, we are raising people to be computing machines. Widgets. Right? We have factories that create widgets. We get blue widgets and white widgets, and they... Continue to move on society. Hey, why don't you, if you want to train your kids real good to be factory workers later, stick them in a school system that makes them sit down for eight hours. They'll be real ready to do your widget work later. Is that, yeah, does that hit the nail on the head for you? Pretty much. You know, and just talking <laughs> you're, about you're, it like, you're in good company. <laughs> good. You know, talking about it from my experience going through school, never once did we meditate, you know? <laughs> Oh, I grew up in a very small country town. Meditation is not, that's, I don't think that word's even said. And if it is, it's usually followed by some kind of country twang insult of some sort back at you if you said you were going to meditate. <laughs> exactly. So this is the purpose of, of myself and my business, right? Because we are going back to the elements. Um, so we've got the bioelectrical, which is mainly acupuncture. We've got the chemical, which is pharmaceuticals and herbology. Uh, don't really like pharmaceuticals, by the way. There's not much balance there. It's just kind of like Likewise. the symptoms, you know. But herbology has a beautiful history, especially Chinese medicine. We can talk more about that in the future. And then you've got your cognitive, you know, so that's like the meditation, which we just spoke of. Now, those main elements are not being met. And then that leads to people having some sort of injury. Their rotator cuff tears over time for no maintenance. They're not doing some sort of movement to keep themselves, you know, flowing in a sense. They're not moving their lymph through their vessels because the lymphatic system doesn't pump through your body like the heart pumps the blood, right? If you don't mm -hmm. move and you don't take care of yourself, it just builds up. And then you've got growths, cancerous tumors, all these things that, you know. So it's almost like having bellows, uh, like because your lymph nodes are on your arms next. With the movement itself actually gets the... Uh, everything moving through the system itself is that what you're explaining exactly that's how the lymphatic system was designed to be we were designed you know and, and that's why tai chi chuan which is a, a chinese martial art and health exercise it moves the fluid the body because you're pushing it out and you're pulling it in right and you're just moving you're just keeping it moving it's stretching and in the chinese saying they say running water never grows stale so you just have to keep on flowing and this is what they mean you're making the water in your body run so it doesn't grow stale it's it, it it seems as if that would just be common sense when you think about it because if our system were to stop moving that's called death so why wouldn't the, you know, the movements that are required to keep that going work in tandem? 
I can't see how we could expect to be sedentary 24 seven and then not, you know, respect the fact that our body has joints that need to be moved um, as well as everything in between. I, I can definitely see that. So I have a question uh, via uh, the, the Tai Chi question. Um, when doing Tai Chi, because like you were explaining, that's a fluid movement. I think people usually think of grandpa in the nineties out there, you know, and that's such a, disrespectful stereotype to such a beautiful art. Um, and in that, would you say that Tai Chi focuses on mindfulness? Is that what those movements actually are? Are they a, are they a focused intent to get you to leave what is going on around you, but in a method that helps your body? It's interesting. It's almost like it's such a complex movement, but it's also so simple. Mm -hmm. You can do it without thinking. In the beginning, you're going to want to think. And this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to eliminate thinking and allow you to feel the movement rather than think through it, right? Uh, so the cognitive aspect of it is definitely a big element. But I think Tai Chi Chuan is more of like a, and that's the full name for it, by the way. Uh, tai Chi is like the, the slang that we go by nowadays. Um, Everything's butchered. <laughs> but to just like clear it up a little bit for you, Tai Chi is the yin yang symbol. It's the great diagram, which China, you know, the Chinese people. Male and female. Yeah. It's uh, that, that feminine and masculine side. Uh, I love the yin yang and don't know why or how. I grew up in a very country area. I have no reason to care about this symbol. But when I turned 18, that was the tattoo that I got on my arm was a yin yang with fire and water in it. And I have no idea why. It's the only tattoo I've ever had in my life. Uh, makes all sorts of sense now, though. Yeah, it's it's the their tool of observation about how the universe works. You know, there's always going to be something in relation to the other. It's funny because yin and yang are not individual things, but they're a relationship between two things. Like cup and water. Yeah, you know, the Bruce Lee. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the water cup, it becomes <laughs> correct. But but what what's saying is it's, it's the space within, correct? The space within is the opposite of what is around it or containing it. Is that what we're describing? One can't exist in that form without the other. Exactly. You know, you said the space within, and that is the key word. It's the emptiness in between, you know, having that nothing. And that's what Tai Chi really is. It's having the nothing in between. What is nothing? If you were Tai Chi, because I look at things, um, I, 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 I ponder a lot of things. And when I look at, say I was looking at the studio right now, there is a converse to every physical element in here. It's almost as if you were to pour like concrete or some kind of mix into this room, into the square, you could pick it up and it would be an opposite structure of what I'm sitting in, correct? You know, like a yes, mold? Essentially. Yeah. If, because if even if you made that, you could still take it out of where you are and that space would still be there. Right. So what is that space? Is that what we're defining with Tai Chi or manipulating or working with? Because it's an, uh, it's an, it's an intangible, right? Exactly. And what, what we can feel is ourselves within that intangibleness, right? So that's what we're doing in Tai Chi. In Tai Chi, we are moving our body through this space and understanding it. Uh, you have your proprioception, right? Which is a big part of Tai Chi. And that's why when I teach Tai Chi, I teach it, we do all the movements, on the right side. Okay, now we do all the movements on the left side because I'm teaching your body where it is in space and teaching you how to feel where it is in space. We don't even, we, we don't know what's happening in our feet on a daily basis for the average person. You know, we don't know, we don't even feel our hit. A lot of times when I'm working on people as a massage therapist, I'll be running my hands along acupoints and all of a sudden they're like, oh, oh, that hurts so bad. I didn't even feel that until you touched it. And then I said, well, this is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring your awareness to these areas. Are you, um, do you explain, because I'm, I'm sure that, uh, that there's a lot that goes into these conversations because it's an opportunity, whether you have an isolated person with an injury or a feeling, you know, that they're trying to take care of. Do you find that, um, that people are more receptive and start to hear that um, those physical issues can be tied to mental issues or outside stimuli? A lot of people don't, figure out that you can have a pain in your hip or your stomach or your right ear or wherever the hell it is. And it can be related to what's going on in real life around you and have zero to do with what you've been doing physically. 
I agree with this wholeheartedly because, you know, in Chinese medicine, they call that the emotional, etiological factors, right? And and that's very real. You know, when you when you get uh, really tense and stressed, it starts to pull shoulders up. And before you know it, you don't have a neck anymore, right? And, and your levator scapula muscle in here is pulling your scapula up all day and people walk in like this. And I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, doing that wobble walk because they can't move their arms and neck. They're just kind of, you know, wobbling into the room. Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying. But I, I do think that explaining that to them while I'm working on them has been very effective uh, because not only does that bring their awareness to the area I'm working on, it allows to distract them from the pain of me releasing that muscle and then allows them to also let out what they're thinking. You know, they they let out the feeling that they have. It, it's more of like a an essence to what they're saying, not so much... Um, not so much what they're actually saying. You know what I mean? Right, right. You're, it's kind of like um, uh, the best description I think I would, I would give is, would you say that with meditation, like if I sat down to meditate and I practiced it over a certain period of time, there would come a point where I would start to release old core wounds things like that, they would unravel over time. I did, I try to, you know, I, I, when I talk to people about meditation, I try to explain that there's a process to it. And over time, you'll start to find those initial wounds will start to show themselves. And then over time they start to remove themselves. Have you found that acupuncture, I, I, I feel like there's a million different ways to get in there. We just have so many different cultures and societies that have great ways to address this. Would you say acupuncture is another way to get in there and basically bleed those demons it's very, very much so because you put a needle in an acupuncture point and what that is doing is stimulating the bioelectricity of your body. And that's what we are. We are energetic beings. We are electricity. And that's yeah. what our feelings are. It's hard for people to wrap their head around that, but we are actually matter is energy. Indeed. You know, and once you start to feel it more and you get more into that mindfulness aspect, that's when you connect with those emotions. And I've seen people have what's called an emotional release from massage and from acupuncture. You know, they'll start to all of a sudden start crying. And my, me, myself, I have, uh, I've meditated and started to feel tears come out of my eyes, you know, and like interesting. I didn't notice it's, that. Before. It's releases from what I've, from what I've experienced. It's, and it's super, it is scary at first when you start to get some of these manifestations of things within your meditation that are, that are actively changing you that are, they, I, I read not long back or actually my, uh, my own therapist told me, he said, uh, you know, that meditation actually atrophies your amygdala. Prolonged meditation atrophies the amygdala. And for people that have a misunderstanding for what that sucker does, that's the one that makes you piss your pants every time something gets in your face. That's your, that's your fear. That's somebody talked about me. Now I have anxiety. Somebody talked about me. Now I have depression. Somebody is over here. Doing, some outside stimuli is fucking up my personal well-being. When that thing starts to shrink, you start to realize that shit don't mean shit. It's literally, that's their thoughts, and they don't even belong in your world. Right, and then the amygdala is also very fascinating because that's what allows your heart to sustain itself. It's, it changes its beat. I did not um, know that. Yeah, it, it does all of your um, autono autonomous Aut autonomics. Functions. Yeah, autonomic functions, like uh, your, your lungs breathing when you're not controlling it. But you also have control over some functions, right? So there's a balance between, like I said before, instinct and control. So when you're meditating and you're getting more of that control, you're controlling your breathing, the breathing technique, you're controlling your posture, you're thinking about what you're feeling and then letting go of what you're thinking. Well, then the amygdala is like, ah, oh, well, now I have less to do. <laughs> <laughs> it, that, that makes sense. I mean, if you if you start taking away somebody's work, they're not going to make as much money. You know, it, 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 that's the payoff. The amygdala wants to be there. It wants, it wants to have a job because it's part of the mind and the mind is trying to hang around, even though it's pretty much useless these days. It's not, it's not what it should. It, it did its job for the time that it was around. It, it saved us from getting, you know, beaten ahead by a club from, you know, Larry, the other caveman, or, you know, chased down by a saber tooth tiger or where the hell it is. You know, or it got us through war or whatever it might be, but we don't need to do that shit anymore. 
We're not those creatures. We don't need all the weapons. We don't need all the other items because they're not essential to life. We're it's the only true. ones that make them essential to life. And we still use it a lot, but what do we use it for now? We use it to hold on to past experiences. You know, Alan Watts said, uh, she called uh, humans the time bind, right? Because we can mm. remember past events, but we then we only hold on know to about, We're the only ones that get that. We're the only ones that, that sit and worry. Worry. Worry's a fucking stupid idea, right? What is up with that? You sit there and you put all this effort into nothing, absolutely nothing, because it doesn't exist yet. Literally give yourself like stomach issues, headaches, and all this stuff, but you're not going to predict any of what's going to happen. Because if you do, then you should be in a total different line of business because <laughs> nobody ever gets their worry right. They can get it somewhere in the ballpark, but it still didn't serve you anything because you had to go through it twice. Exactly. And, you know, this brings up another memory for me. I know you you had said yourself that you're a veteran, right? Right, right. I'm also a veteran. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, I didn't. But I served in the Marine Corps, and I remember specifically an old staff sergeant had said that whenever you're making a plan, you should never make it too complex or try to account for all of these different things because you don't know what's going to happen. So the best Keep it plan simple. is simplicity. Exactly. Agreed. How many times did you hear, keep it simple, stupid? Many times. <laughs> but there's a lot to be said about that. And I was I was reading a book recently that was talking about the, the power of placing importance on things and how that can actually fundamentally stop you from achieving your goals by overly investing your emotional energy into the success of that item because you will ultimately fail. Because you've you've oversold your yourself into that situation. It it creates a barrier. It's kind of like the way it was explained was if you put a plank of wood on the ground and you started walking down it, when it was on the ground, you could do it with ease, right? Wouldn't be a problem. Do, 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 do. You could practically parry a wet down it. You can do whatever the hell you want. Take that board and put it between two poles at about 25 feet. And look what happens. And you change nothing else. Suddenly, that's a fucking nightmare. And you're walking like you've got all sorts of issues. You're jiggling everywhere. Your arms are out. You're doing all this stuff. But nothing has changed except for the location of the board and all the importance that you put on it. It that now became difficult. It, it did. And, and the reason behind that is, have you ever seen the scene from uh, one of Bruce Lee's movies where he was walking through a garden um, and he, he goes to train this kid and he says, kick me. And the kid kicks him, he blocks it. He goes, no, no, no. I said, kick me. We need emotional content. And then he goes and kicks him again, but really angrily, he blocks it again. He says, I said, emotional content, not anger. He says, point your finger to the moon, right? Then he slaps the kid in the head and says, don't focus on the finger because if you do, you'll miss out on all of that heavenly glory. I, you know, that's what I tried to explain meditation gives to you. I like that. Um, meditation for me has allowed me to recognize that we're already in heaven. I, I, I firmly believe that understanding your fundamental place within the bigger system is the next step to understanding where the hell we are. And that it's almost like turning a light switch on. And that we're supposed to go along that path. And that's where we are now. And that ties in a lot with Taoism, you know? Uh, if you if you listen to Alan Watts, I, I like to quote him a lot. He was a, one of Bruce Lee's actually favorite um, philosophers when he was studying philosophy at Washington State University. Um, Alan Watts says that everyone focuses on the destination. And the destination is like the big thing for everybody. Like think about um, Christianity, for example, not to pull back on those beliefs, but their destination is either heaven or hell. And that's all that they worry about. I have to get there. I have to get to heaven. I have to get to hell or I have to stay away from hell. Do everything I can to get to heaven. But then they spend their entire lives trying to get there and thinking about that destination, but they don't realize that their destination is always where they are, right? Because there's no the such thing as the future or the past. I've never been there. I have never been in the past. It has always been now. Once I started to realize that, because it's, 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 it's an illusion. We think about all the stuff that happened, but when have you ever been yesterday? When have you ever been in tomorrow? 
Never, not once have you ever been in either one of those things. You've thought about it. You've given it reality. You've given it material life in the now by thinking about it and giving yourself all these issues, but it is not here. And if you ask me, that's insanity. That's a mental illness. That's that light switch. When you find that light switch and you flip it, you go, oh, wait a minute. You actually can look at people as an observer and you start to recognize why big groups of monks and indigenous tribes say, we don't want any part of them, not because we're angry, but it's because they're insane and not insane the way that we've, you know, butchered or whatever. They're talking about, we fly across the globe to take naps, like literally a vacation. That's insanity. We can go to sleep any time we want. Stress, that shouldn't be around unless you're getting slapped in the face. Any other time, it doesn't exist. But we've been sold this structure. We believe that we're a victim. And that couldn't be any further from the truth. It's true. We always think of, I am this way because of before, right? Mm. Put any, apply that statement to anything. But you're never, ever obligated to be something you work. You can choose Choice. to be whatever you'd like. It's beautiful. And it's it's correct. It's that everything's a choice. And I feel like um, whenever you approach these kinds of scenarios, especially when it comes to mental health and things like that, because you tell somebody that their anxiety or their depression or their state of being is their choice, that's a, that to, to most people, that's an affront. That's an attack. That is a, a stab at their, their well-being or their stability or their ability to function in society or whatever that might be. And it, we, we've got to get rid of that stigma. We've got to take that out from under it and allow people to openly discuss these things and find out that they are all rooted in those bizarre habits that we're discussing. The issues with the past, the issues with the future, or the issues of uh, how many other creatures stand and think for a long time? Like, what is happening that. during that moment where you're pondering life, looking up at the sky and not noticing that there's everything in the world going on around you. Now that I've meditated, you can, when you, when I see people in that moment, all I can think of is what are they doing? What is actually happening in their head versus what could actually be happening now? It's like two different worlds. It starts to look like that zombie mind. Mm. One you know, of I, us. I think about that a lot too, because I listen to audiobooks when I drive to work and, you know, it's a short drive, like 30 minutes. And sometimes I'm just driving and I'm, I'm just listening. And then I start to look around me and I'm like, who are all these people and what are they all doing? There's like, at a California highway, there's like five lanes. There's like 200 <laughs> cars, you know, and right. they're all just going somewhere as fast it's as they can. Farm. It's an ant yeah. farm. Yeah, it's like, what are these people doing? What's their story? What's their life? What is their, What are they feeling? No, there's no way to know. You just know that everyone's but doing you this do. thing. That's the beauty of all this. <laughs> What we don't realize is that we know what every single person is feeling out there because we're feeling it. It just looks like it's in, it's in a different wrapper. Somebody thinks because, oh, hey, this one's in a gold wrapper. That means it's immune to, you know, having some kind of anxiety, depression or sadness. Well, while the other one's wrapped in newspaper and, you know, and in trash, that means that they can't understand, you know, the same things that that person that's rich feels. You know, it's, it's equal because everybody feels like shit because we're not supposed to be doing it to begin with. Mm. And, and we have this unlimited potential in our species that you can tap into. Literally, it limits, no limit as limitation, as Bruce Lee would say. Uh, it's just a matter of believing that. Quantum, quantum mechanics and physics would support what you're saying. We are, there's a whole generation of eat my words going on right now. Mm. But we need to make them understand that it is not that case. No. That it is, thank you for getting us this far in the sentence. Let's move on to the predicate or whatever, the subject to the predicate, whatever it might be. We have You can't have one without the other. You have to have failure in order to have success. Otherwise, everything's just one thing. Mm. You know, this makes me think about also, you know, in my bio on, on my Instagram, you'll see that it's teacher, healer, and student uh, is my philosophy 
for myself, right? And I think about it this way, you know, when I'm teaching someone Tai Chi, I'm not so much teaching them a thing. I'm not so much teaching them how to grapple somebody or fight, punch, although that's part of it. I'm just teaching them how to express themselves through some movement. That's what Bruce Lee was doing. And that's what he said. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just showing you what you're feeling and, and bringing that feeling into reality through your own process. And what a Tai Chi Chuan teacher or any martial arts teacher is really trying to do is bring that expression to your awareness. And then you have a bigger awareness of yourself. So it's very interesting uh, when you see the light bulbs open up in that setting. And then you start to apply it to everything that you do. Now, like when I'm giving someone a massage, I'm like talking to them and just like giving them little nudges and little expressions that help them, you know, mentally and physically, right? I feel like... um... These these types of roles are things that we are made for. I feel like that they are something that we're born um, destined to do for for whatever reason. You're, I think everybody's born to give back, but they have to have a certain amount of trial to be able to give back. They can't uh, they can't understand or can't be empathetic. Um, but do you find that uh, this form of helping? your fellow humans is your calling in life? Honestly, I think there's nothing else that I would rather do. Um, Because I think about it this way, there's another thing that Bruce Lee said, and you can tell he's a big influence on me at this point. (laughs) No, no, I haven't. I I, I don't remember. I loved everything, everything I ever watched. I, Dude, uh, we'll we'll get to it. I got some funny stuff. when you grow up in the in in the backwoods, your understanding of martial arts is completely skewed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, go on. So he said, sorry, I've lost my train of thought here. I'm sorry, I cut you off. <laughs> it's okay. Just let me think for a moment here. Um, in an interview with forget the guy's name, Pierre Burton. Pierre Burton. This was 1973, I believe, or 1972, around that time, close to his death. He told him that the people that benefit most from what he does are those who understand the philosophical side. And he also told Dan Dino Santo, this is what I originally was going for. He told Dan that, you know, when I'm in a fight, I don't see myself through this viewpoint. Mm -hmm. I see myself from over here, right? From third person. And Dan Dino Santo, like, I remember he has a voice recording where he was like, I didn't believe him. You know, like, you're telling me that you're here and you're fighting this guy, but you're not, you're over here. And then he started to understand it. It's a thing where in that moment, you are putting yourself away from what you are feeling. Ultimate mindfulness. Yeah, You're seeing yourself from a different perspective. And that's when you see the openings. It's like a football coach with an earpiece in the quarterback's uh, ear, right? Telling him, look, there's an opening over here, but that quarterback can't see the opening from his first person viewpoint. He needs that coach to tell him, look, the opening's there, go, right? And it's the same thing in everything. And and how do you how does one obtain that observer position? The only way to do that is to distance yourself from what you're feeling in your body at that moment. And that's meditation. That's mindfulness, right? That's the ability to think objectively and empathetically. Apply yourself to a different perspective. And this is what Einstein said. He said that in order to solve a problem within the system, you have to think from outside the system. Because anything that you think within the system is part of the system. It's within the confines of, of the actual thought process. You can't you can't put the two together because it is the other. Right. So I think um, I'll share a poem with you here that I wrote. Um this was for a, a little like challenge not too long ago, but it really stood out to me as being my interpretation of all these things that I've studied, like with Bruce Lee and all the mindfulness. Um, the title is The Unseen Becomes the Seen. Mm. And color does not exist within singularity. Form does not exist within totality. Sound does not exist when it is contained. Without absence of color, nothing can be seen. Without absence of form, Nothing can be felt. Without removing the box, you will never hear. Hear the soundless sound and see the formless form. It's yin and yang. Exactly. I like yes, that. Indeed. I like indeed. that. I got to, I, well, you know, I got to give you a... <laughs> a little snap for your poem, man. No, that's, that was, I, I like that. And uh, you can tell that it genuinely comes from a place of, um, of, I'm trying to think of a word here. It comes from deep within. It seems to be resonating from that authentic area. It's what seems like you wake up and eat, sleep, and breathe every day. 
And it's, it's great to see when someone realizes their actual potential and what they're supposed to be doing or how they can, um, you know, bridge those divides in people's minds. A lot of people think that the, the divides that we have are only societal, but they're, they're more, there's more divides within ourselves. That's the fundamental divide. The divide between, you know, who we are in our day-to-day functions and why we are in our day-to-day functions. And, and people don't, don't realize that. That we've placed so much on the end game. Like you were saying earlier, we're so worried about the finish line. We constantly say that's where we want to be. But why is it that we focus so much on that? And then when we're old, we say everything was great before, right? We spend all this time focusing on how bad things are and how much better we're going to make it. But then when we look back, it's not the same. We, we look at it and we reminisce in that manner where it's supposed to be glorified instead of just embracing the fact that you're here the whole way. And if everything was getting shittier, wouldn't humanity have been gone a long time ago? Like every generation, all they're doing is just complaining about the fact that they didn't realize their full potential in their tour on the rock. Mm. Simple as that. Everything's wrong. Yeah, right. everything's wrong, wrong, wrong. Nothing is right. Nothing's right. Nothing is the best that it can. And that's, you know, part of our psyche as, you know, the need and want for expansion and growth, which is good. But sometimes we do get too carried away with that, you know? Like sometimes we forget to just like take a deep breath in and just breathe as deep as you can. Just, you know, let out that breath and just feel how good it feels. Dude, you're like an ASMR video. You're so peaceful. Like when you talk, I'm like, it's kind of like uh, you're like Bob Ross with nunchucks. I love it. <laughs> Super chill and very peaceful, but wise. I like this. And I, I saw a lot of your Instagram photos and stuff like that. Make no bones, dude. You're a martial artist. Like there's, there's something in that. I know that we, uh, there's got to be a little bit of, safety in the way that you conduct yourself out there in real life, knowing that you have the ability to remove yourself from a situation, understanding that first form of martial arts is basically recognizing the situation and removing yourself outside of that. How does it feel to know that you are in control of yourself and able to protect yourself out there in the world today? That's the thing is, you know, I have no fear of anything that could happen. You know, someone could pull a knife on me and I would just stare at them and be ready because that's where you have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, without that, with that fear there, that's going to obstruct you. You know, and we as martial artists in today's generation, we're, we're getting so focused on intensity and so focused on who's better and so focused on competition. And we're forgetting what it really means to be a martial artist, right? But personally, I feel, I just feel secure within myself. I like that. So you would, you would advocate that, uh, that people take up uh, an art form of some sort and uh, meditation at the end of the day? Yeah. I mean, they take it up and it's more times than not, I'm not going to try and knock on people who take it up and have this passion for it or that helps them. But it's more of like, I do this because I want to be awesome. And, you know, I want to put on this feeling of being pretty cool and all that. I have all these medals, you know, and I'm the best at what I do in the world. You know, they're not thinking about. I'm okay with those people. Just sit down and start meditating. Do it for 30 days and you won't give a shit about being an awesome metal holder anymore. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter what your intent is. Just put your butt on the floor and start doing it because you're only going to get better at it. And it's not like you're breaking a sweat while you're doing it. If you are, you're doing some weird shit. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm okay with somebody having that approach in the beginning because if they continue to do it, they they're still going to benefit. They're still going to benefit in some way, shape or form, but I get exactly where you're coming from. It has that allure. It has that mystery and people have that desire to separate themselves in some way or be better than other people in some way. Um, even if they don't realize it, you know, spiritual superiority of some sort, it's, it, we'll find any way to be better than the person next to us. Right. And it's not entirely a bad thing, you know, it's just the execution, right? So, yeah, or how people, you use the knowledge. Yeah. It's like, I became the best, 
right? But now, who am I comparing myself to, you know? And, and what am I going to do with this ability, right? Like, how can I, I benefit I could think to crowd? give back. That's the only yeah. way. Uh, it's the only way I can see that it uh, serves a, a purpose beyond, um, you know, it's, it's defense tactics within society is giving back and realizing your own personal potential. Um, I mean, that's how I view it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I've loved having you on today. This has been, like I said, you're like Bob Ross with nunchucks, man. It's amazing. Minus <laughs> the fro. You don't have his fro, but that's cool. You, you, bald heads are cool. They are, they are much easier to maintain, I believe too. Right. <laughs> so for, for all of you out there, um, he, he, uh, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. So I want to thank you for, uh, for coming in. I want to thank you for sharing such, uh, you know, a, a personal message and also want to thank you for being someone who gives back. Um, that's, that's a, uh, a quality that more people need to have today. And I want to tell you that I appreciate you and I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this. If you had uh, any final words for anybody here that you think that could set them on that path, a simple first step, what would you encourage them to do? Close your eyes and stand with your feet shoulder width. You know, just close your eyes, hold your hands at your stomach and breathe deeply with your eyes closed and listen behind you. And just do that for five minutes. And then after that, you know, set a timer or something. Ask yourself, how do I feel right now? And what did I notice when I was doing that? Hmm. That's so, the only way. Mini mindfulness. Start yeah. out there. Breathing exercises. And I'd also like to say there's a saying that says the Tao, which can be described, is not the Tao. That basically means the way that can be described is not the way. So don't focus on finding things in specificity. Specificity. Mm. Focus on finding things in the big picture, and then you'll yeah, be stop hunting for your third eye. Yeah. Everybody that sits down on their butt wants to look for their third eye. They want to do some, you know, spectacular thing. They want to have some illusory, you know, some weird, you know, interaction that is different from everybody else's. Um, no. This Sit out of there. This world experience. Meditation in itself is very simple. It's super simple and it's so rewarding. So thank you so much, Jordan, for coming on. And for those of you out there, um, if you want to check them out on Instagram, go to at martial arts and wellness. Um, and then uh, what was the name of your uh, your company again? So my business is called Sanctuary of Art and Healing. Sanctuary of Art and Healing. And they can find you there through uh, Instagram as well, correct? Yes, of course. Uh, thank you again, Jay. I appreciate the time that you've given me today. I would love to be on the show again in the future. And uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I think that would be great. Maybe we can even coordinate like a live Instagram thing where we go through some Tai Chi movements and some meditation or something like nice. that. Nice. I will look like a bumbling idiot. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your comedy relief at the same time. That's the best part, right? <laughs> exactly, dude. Laughter, laughter, laughter. I put that almost. At the same level as meditation. I really do. I think that it is something that is an energy that is like no other. I think that laughter can change just about any mood. I don't care what situation you're in. If somebody actually breaks down in hysterics, you could be trying to saw his head off. You'd laugh too. You just can't help it. You would snort. If somebody snort laughing, you're going to snort too. It just happens. So I love laughter. I think it goes hand in hand with with change, fundamental change. Agree. It's a good way to feel the joy, you know? Absolutely. Sometimes we just need a little joy. I abs I like that. Sometimes we need a little joy. I like that. Let's end on that. All right. All right. Thanks again for listening to Academics. And remember, be cool and keep learning. Hey, Academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast. You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at The Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at Tragedy underscore Academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class, and remember, be cool, keep learning. 
Hello academics and welcome to the study hall. Please refrain from placing your gum underneath your desk. I mean, that's not academic, that's just gross. Jordan Delarange is a former United States Marine and is currently pursuing a doctorate in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. He is currently working as a stuntman actor in California. And you can follow him on Instagram at martial arts wellness. Okay, you have your assignment. Now back to class. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items, things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees. But I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to the tragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.